Hello and welcome to this week's NL Full Time. It's just uh, Dickie, who's uh, temporarily left us at the minute. We'll introduce him when he comes back. Um, Joe, Pope and myself. So, hello, Joe. Yeah, hi, Rob. Uh, thanks for having me on again. Uh, busy weekend, but nice to be back and doing what I enjoy most on a Sunday. Well, I can tell you, listeners, and we'll reveal the game in a short while, but um, Joe, who told me just eight days ago that... Uh, he was a bit renowned when he went and watched neutral games for seeing nil-nils. And he saw a five-goal thriller at Roots Hall. Uh, all I'm going to say is he went one better on Saturday. And uh, he'll tell us more very, very soon. Um, all right. We can only we, we normally start at the top. And uh, by some kind of ironic twist, we're going to start at second bottom. Because that is where Dorking Wanderers went into uh, Saturday's game. Uh, the lunchtime kickoff against Chesterfield, uh, the live TNT sports game. Dorking hadn't had a game in the week. So uh, despite picking up a few points here and there recently, they uh, they had dropped to second bottom. And not many people, Joe, will have given them a prayer coming up against Chesterfield, 23 points clear as they were at the time. Um because Dorking concedes again and again and again on the transition, and there's no better team than Chesterfield at uh, exploiting that. But they did win. They scored four goals. They should have scored a lot more. An off day for Chesterfield, but what a terrific result at just the right time for Dorking. Yeah, I, I think people will perhaps, their initial reaction will be, oh, it was just an off day for Chesterfield. But we have to give a lot of credit to Mark White because... Um, I was actually able to watch the game. Um, I watched it in the uh, very fancy bar at the ground I was at. Um, and Dawkins were value for their win. Um, played really, really well. Um, caused them loads of problems. Should have scored more um, in the first half. Certainly Mark White, when they went to him for his uh, mid-first mid half chat, he seemed to think that they, they should have put their chances away. Um, but yeah, really good performance. Um, I think after conceding again at half, just before half time, as they seem to be doing a lot of late, I think there are a few questions and people expected. I certainly expected Rob. We did our predictions, and at two one, I said that Chesterfield would come back and win three two. But fair play to Dawkins. You know, Mark White made a change at half time. He brought on Jimmy Mewitt. Um, They changed the system slightly, um, and they scored just. Uh, after the restart and, and went on to, to win 4-1. So as Dawkins have done so well, every time you doubt them and think, oh, this is the time where they're going to fall off, they pull a, a result out of the bag. Yeah, incredible stuff. A, a fine third just after the break from Tom Blair and a double on the day, which made for just a wonderful, wonderful story, which I'm sure they picked up on uh, at TNT Sports. I haven't watched the coverage back yet, but a double, a brace for Alfie. Rutherford uh, uh, doubled his tally for the season. Um, and obviously, uh, from a couple of years ago, has had major knee surgery, major heart surgery, and has come back and is doing what Alfie Rutherford does. And he's just one of the purest, most instinctive, goal hungry strikers in the division, isn't he? That's what he is. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, as you say, he had to go out on loan uh, a couple of times this season. Obviously, went to Weymouth, went to Bognor Regis. But he's back now in the first team. 
Um, and yeah, he's a good goal scorer. I think everybody knew that he'd be a good goal scorer. It's just perhaps not had the opportunities to show that so far this season. But when he gets a chance, he more than likely puts it away. And, uh, you know, Mark White was looking for a couple of players to perhaps step up and make sure they stay in the division. And getting Alfie Rutherford firing could certainly uh, do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of his quotes after the game, Mark White, was uh, the Dorking Wanderers bingo card um, was absolutely jam-packed full. Uh, ticks in all the boxes. Everything that could go right did go right. And that's quite a reversal on one or two games, especially at Meadowbank recently. Um, what I will say is, with that game kicking off early at the time, and it shows how congested it is in the bottom half of the National League, um, Dorking lifted at the time from 23rd place up to 18th. By the end of the day's games, they had dropped a couple of places, but were still two points clear um, of the relegation zone. We'll focus back in on that uh, in a short while. But um, flipping back to the other end after stuttering a little bit of late, both Barnet and Bromley got themselves uh, wins, didn't they? Bromley by two goals to nil, a double for Corey Whiteley and uh, Barnet winning 2-1 on the road at uh, Hartlepool. Um much, much better for both sides. Obviously, they're not going to catch Chesterfield. The gap is uh, 20 points again now. But it does give them both a seven-point cushion in that second and third place. Um, Joe, which result impressed you more, really? Because Bromley's was against a Halifax side that had won four on the trot. And Barnett's was at Hartlepool, who'd been really clambering towards those playoff positions prior to the game. Yeah, uh, for me, probably um, the Bromley win. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, Hartlepool have been in a good, run, a good vein of form of late um, and they'd have fancied themselves to uh, upset Barnet yesterday. Uh, but for me, probably Bromley. I mean, Halifax are still within a, a good chance of getting into the playoffs. I think it's a little bit out of uh, Hartlepool's reach at this time. Um, and Halifax are usually quite good on the road, you know, keep it quite tight, keep clean sheets and usually find a way to nick it. Um, but uh, Bromley managed to, you know, get a, a, a key win there and they have stuttered of late. So for them to see out a routine victory in the end against a good Halifax side um, will be really, really pleasing for, for Andy Woodman. Well, not only did Bromley and Barnet win, but they pulled a little bit further clear of the sides in fourth, fifth, and sixth place, all of which you ended up drawing. Um, Gateshead uh, played um, away from home at uh, Boreham Wood. And once again, Shimanga scored. I think that's up to four now uh, since he uh, joined Boreham Wood again on loan from Peterborough. And uh, three of those four, I think, have come in the opening half hour of games as well. But Boreham Wood could never add to it. And Gateshead, who in fairness, across the course of the game, created far more chances they had to be patient, but uh, they actually got an equaliser from Brown in the 90th minute. That was a late goal that secured a point, and so too um, was a, it was a point as well. I beg your pardon for uh, for Oldham Athletic, but uh, when Sharon put them ahead on the hour mark, it looked as if they might take all three off of Southend, but Nor Hussein equalised 11 minutes from time, and that meant that Southend's recent run. Stretched to uh, 10 points out of 12, and they pulled right up to 12th place in the table. Oldham remain, of course, in the playoff positions. But the other game, 
amongst those trio was by far one of the best games of the day. And you were there, Joe. Um, Solihull Moors also nicked a point in the 90th minute, but it could have been even better, couldn't it? Yeah, um, and I think people will look at this and say that Solihull Moors did nick a point. But, you know, in credit to, to Solihull Moors, they probably should have won the game. Um they certainly scored a goal that should have won the game. Um, Andy Wing saying afterwards that uh, that they, they they scored through Tavon Campbell. It was ruled as offside by the linesman, um, but that was an, an incorrect decision. Um, and Solihull, obviously, they came back from three one down in the game and got a point, which ordinarily you would think that's a good you know point on the road against a decent Eastley side. Um, but they'll be disappointed, um, as was Andy Wing. Um, that they didn't get all three. And I spoke to Andy Wing uh, after the game uh, on the point. Four outstanding second half. Really poor first half for our standards. Uh, we were nowhere near it. I thought we were a bit passive and slow. Uh, they haven't done too much to score. Two goals, a free kick and a, a cross. Uh, I can't remember really many more chances than that. I know they scored in the second half and that was again a free kick from our own undoing. Um, but I thought we were brilliant uh, in the second half. A constant threat. Hit the inside of the post. It just wasn't happening for us, it seemed. Then we got ourselves level and um, we score a perfectly legitimate goal right in the last minute. Uh, he gets short, tough at offside. I think he's gambled, he's guessed. Uh, and unfortunately, um, you know, we'll have to take our medicine and uh, just take a draw. And obviously, there were loads of positives there. Perhaps one negative is obviously you came into this, you would have known the threat of Paul, Ka- Paul McCallum. Are you disappointed of how you handled that? Oh, extreme. We had a free kick in the first half. We pl- we play really sloppy and slow. We give a free kick away, and that enables them to score. Uh, and then, obviously, the, the the second goal. We we talked about stopping crosses. Um, we need to be really aggressive in wide areas. They get a, a, a cross. Uh, he gets a free header in the middle of the goal. So really disappointed uh, with all three goals, really, because they haven't done. They haven't opened us up. They haven't done anything really to go and to hurt us in the whole game. Uh, we've given three goals. Uh, and we've worked, we've had to work really, really hard. They defend really well. We've had to work really hard for our goals. Uh, and yeah, so really disappointed with our goals we conceded. Um, you know, but the response and the application from us, especially second half, was brilliant. And uh, hopefully we take that momentum into into the next next few games. And there were loads of positives in that second half. How pleased were you with your side? And does that second half? Like epitomise what your teams are about. Yeah, because we said at half time that that's unacceptable, really, in terms of um, you know we kind of threw a. Threw, and like I said after Tuesday, we kind of threw a game away. We threw a half half away there. We were just too passive. One on the front foot, weren't stepping in, weren't 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 getting in behind them, weren't stretching the game. It was all too too easy to defend for them. Um, um, you know, it wasn't no tactical tweaks. It wasn't no te- technical tweaks. Half time, it was. Uh, we need to be miles better. We need to, you know, run more. Basically, run, running behind them. Get can we stretch the game a little bit more? Can we go on the front foot? Can we step into into space a lot more and brighter and quicker? And we did all of that in abundant second half. And uh, unfortunately, got 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 ourselves back into the game. Just just couldn't, you know, get the winner which we should have done. And one player that you brought on at half time who I thought was outstanding was John Benton. How did he sort of change Brilliant. the game? Yeah. On, yeah, I felt sorry for Steers in the first half because um, you know we did nothing wrong really. Just the lads, we, we, you know, as a team, we kind of let him down. I had to make that change, a positive change. Um, Clarkie went into centre half, Bent went to right back, unfamiliar position. He's more of a, when we watched him at Avery, he was a left winger, so he's, he's he's ended up at right back for us. Uh, but outstanding, he's got loads of quality, and his ball his ball for the goal at the end was was brilliant. That should have stood. Um, uh, yeah, I'm really really pleased for him. 
and we're at the business end of the season now. Um, how pleased are you with the season so far and what are your team going to do to make sure they get in the, the playoffs come the yeah, end? I don't think we can anything but, uh, but delighted with what we've done so far this season. Everyone wrote us off at the start of the season, 15th, 16th, 17th was all their predictions. I've got screenshots to, to prove that. Um, so we've batted well above our weight. Uh, weight. You know, we've, we've brought in lots of us I think 18 players, a massive rebuild, uh, and to be where we are at the moment is is, is a credit to the, to the the club and the players. Um, and yeah, but we haven't won any, we haven't done anything yet. You know, it's a big week for us with a trophy as well. Um, Quarter final coming up, real massive week for us. And um, yeah, we just we should have a right going out at the end of the season. And how how nice would it be to end the season with perhaps two trips to Wembley? Yeah, obviously <laughs> that'll be nice. It'd be very very difficult. We know that. Um, but we can dream, we can hope, uh, we can keep going, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can um, at least make one trip. That'll be will be great. Uh, obviously, we've been in the playoffs all season. We've barely left fourth. Um, just desperate now to cling on and stay not stay in there. Uh, and obviously, we'll treat the FA Trophy as if you know every game's a cup final because it's a big big opportunity for players to get to Wembley. So yeah, we're really looking forward to, to now to the end of the season. So that was Andy Wing. Um, which had given our listeners a, a slightly different perspective on that late draw that Solihull Moore's got. Um, another terrific day for Paul McCallum, of course, a hat-trick up to 29 now for the season. Um, but he'd scored, and obviously Eastley subsequently had scored, three of just four shots on target in the entire game. Um, let's hear the uh, Eastley perspective, because uh, after the game... Joe was very busy yesterday and he caught up with the Eastie manager, Kelvin Davis. I think um, you know, every game's different. Um, a point against a, a top side is a great point. Um, they've proven throughout the season they're in the top six for a reason. Um, so to score three goals against them, yes, we'd like to have uh, come away with three points, but you, know, you understand the quality they've got. Um, and Towards the end of the game, we were sort of fatigue was kicking in and the game was opening up and it was difficult for us to, to hang on and obviously Paul McCallum Patrick today was it a, just a credit to how well he was playing in the first half that Solio had to change the way they played and bring a couple of players on to, to change the game in their favour um, I think um, Mac is a, a goal scorer and you know I think they would have done their prep work before the game no, you know what you're going to get he's already scored 30 goals and I think um, our style of play suit, suits Macca um, and help contribute towards uh, another three goals from today and how have you uh, been received at East obviously a good start for you uh, how have you enjoying your time Amanda? yeah no, we, we knew that the challenge was when we turned up um, excited to be here we've uh, you know, had to play some top sides since coming in and was obviously playing Oldham and, and Solihull now and our next one's Barnet so it's a, it's a tough kind of introduction but you know, we, it's a it's a place we enjoy being. Um, we know the club well, so we're um, we're looking to the future, and hopefully we can keep picking up points towards the end of the season. And and how pleased have you been with how receptive this group has been to you and your assistant coming in, and and just how well you've started? Uh, the, the the team and the squad have been very open minded, um, and they've taken on a lot of information in a short space of time and performances have been at a level where I can be really happy with so I think from them as- that aspect I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with things That was uh, Kelvin Davis and uh, yeah perhaps not 
the most inspiring of, of, of chats, Joe, but he's quietly gone about his business and um, Eastley have largely done okay since he's come in, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, obviously, the only the one defeat against Oldham. Uh, I think one thing that struck me about Calvin Davis is he, he didn't seem too excitable, you know, quite level-headed, doesn't get too excited if they lose or, or, or win. Um, what I was impressed by their assistant, Danny Butterfield, uh, constantly talking and hollering and giving instructions from the sideline. Um, and I think he was quite respectful of the fact that, you know, yes, they were 3-1 up in the game and, and they should have seen it out. But they've got to be respectful of the fact that Solo Hollow are a good side, really good side. Um, and they had so many chances in the second half. And ordinarily, they would be happy with a point. But as it was, uh, you know, it, it was a point. Um, so they'll be a little bit frustrated. Um, after the game, I also uh, caught up with uh, midfielder John Benson, who was actually brought on at right back. And, and he changed the game uh, for Solo Hollow. And, and this is what he had to say. Obviously, I've seen you as an attacking midfielder yeah. or a left winger. Yeah. Uh, you came on at right back. Yeah. Uh, but is that a new role for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, when I joined uh, Solo Hole, I played my first couple of games in the, in the 10 role. Um, and then for injury, you know, I went into right wing back. And, you know, it, I, I like to see myself as quite a technical player, so I can play most positions. Um, so when the gaffer asked me to play right back today... Um, Obviously, my first thought was thinking, I'm not used to playing this far back. <laughs> but um, no, it was fine. Obviously, we was, we was attacking a lot, so you get a lot of the ball. Uh, and that's my game, get the ball to feet, pass moves. So, yeah, it was um, took, took it well. And what was the message when you came on uh, from Andy? Obviously, a, a, an unfamiliar position for you. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, it's just literally get on the ball, go create play, step forward and attack. Because they know if I come in on the right back, I'm not a right back. I'm going to want to go get forward. So getting me in a position where I can... St- Set the play out from deeper, get other people involved. That was the that was the game plan, really. And uh, we talk on uh, match of the day about uh, Man City with their inverted fullbacks. Yep. Was they going to have uh, John Benton on match of the yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if, if City want to come in, I'm <laughs> not joking. Yeah, I mean, look. Um, yeah, it's a different role. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just like the ball to feet, get on the ball, pass and move. And when you're playing right back, you ain't got to worry about someone coming from behind you. Do you know what I mean? Everything's in front of you, so it's a little bit easier. Um, so yeah, no, I don't mind it. It's enjoyable, obviously. My position is a 10, but if I can help the team out playing right back, then I will do. And do you think Andy may use you there more, given how influential you were in turning that second half around? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's obviously the gaffer chooses the team. Um, and, you know, if games are like that, where we dominate the ball and I'm in that position, then, like you said, I influenced the game quite a lot from coming in at half time and you know I enjoyed it got on the ball a lot set up for a few chances you know we've, we've scored in the 90, 96th minute 95th minute and we've looked back and it was onside so goes to win the game but unfortunately it's not how it went today but um, yeah and you've had a, a really good season individually obviously with Averley first and then with Solihull now uh, what do you hope the end of the season brings for you? I mean for me like you said you know I went went to Averley um and obviously I knew the gaffer there really, really well, a really good friend of mine. And um, yeah, done really, really well and earned myself a move here. And I think coming here was just really getting the team as quick as I can and just play as many games at the end of the season. So I think I'm on 18, 19 games maybe since coming here. So if I can end the season on 30 games, then that would be good, you know, good for me. That was John Benton. If you've listened to this podcast or read Joe's Off The Line blog before, you'll know Joe's a big fan, of course, from his days at uh, South End. So, um, yeah, mixed fortunes, really. Uh, the uh, sides in fourth to sixth place only getting a draw, the only side in a playoff position, um, or those remaining playoff positions who got a win on Saturday. 
uh, was Aldershot Town. Um, according to uh, manager Tommy Widrington, uh, far from their best performance and uh, um, going a little bit off-piste from, from the plan, from the tactics, but they did get the job done. I was there. It was a, a calm, efficient win. And you actually had a couple of calm, efficient goals from the prolific duo that are uh, Josh Stokes and Lauren Tolage. I particularly enjoyed Stokes' goal because he had very little room to work with. And whilst it wasn't a net buster, um, as he moved back onto a return pass from Lauren Tolage, um, he literally calculated uh, exactly what point (laughs) to hit the ball as the goalkeeper uh, came out and the ball just trickled and rolled over the line. But ultimately, it was three precious points for all the shot. And I think confirmed what we thought before the game, really, Joe, that um, for Oxford City, it's pretty much done. They're now 13 points adrift. And one of the things that really struck me at the Raw Charging Stadium on Saturday was just how little atmosphere there were. I was, there was, I think, 1,100-odd, admittedly, um, almost 600 of them were all the shot town fans and they were kind of strewn all around the ground. It was nice in a way that there, there wasn't any segregation. But what that also did was it meant that the fans of both sets of supporters dispersed all around the ground and there, was, there wasn't a lot of singing, there wasn't a lot of atmosphere. There didn't really seem to be a focal point for Oxford City from their fans. In truth, they huffed and puffed and they did okay in the game and they never gave up until the end. And and that'll be their attitude, I guess, Joe, going to the end of the season. But uh, uh, for Oxford City, I think the only thing that remains in doubt is which division they'll be in next year. And I don't say that facetiously. I mean the North or the South. Yeah, um, I, I think for, for Ross Jenkins, he will obviously remain positive. Um, but we've seen little sign that, that they are capable of turning it around. Um, and I think now he'll be using the remaining games to see which of that squad are going to be are going to be there next season and which players he wants next season. Um, because I think Oxford City will stand by Ross Jenkins. I think that's probably the right decision. You know, he's a good coach. Um, had it tough this season in a part time uh, with a part time team and a low budget. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think given that it looks like they are going to go down now, unless a miracle. Um, I think they're going to just have to find which of these players does he want to keep and which ones to move on. So then, looking outside of the playoff positions, Halifax are in eighth, but they're four points behind. Now, Gateshead, Oldham and Aldershot are all on 57 points. Then come Altrincham on 52. And I think when we talked about them a month or so ago and we talked about who in those top seven positions would definitely make the playoffs. We were all unanimous on Altrincham, weren't we, Joe? But um, it's been a wretched three or four weeks, hasn't it? Uh, They succumbed to their fifth consecutive defeat, uh, despite getting level uh, just before half-time with Regan Linney's penalty, which replied to Ryan Hill's penalty three minutes earlier. Josh Reese again on the score sheet and Harry Phipps too, uh, as Dagenham improved their own home form. And their own league position, uh, they're bang mid-table now. Uh, 12 points off the playoffs and uh, uh, just six ahead of the relegation zone. But uh, a much-needed win for Dagenham at home and um, for Altrincham. Well, they'll be head-scratching right now, won't they, Phil Parkinson? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we, 
it's amazing how quickly, you know, the narrative can change. A couple of weeks ago, we thought they would be in and they were playing really well. And then they have these, you know, a couple of defeats on the on the bounce and the perspectives change and it now looks like they're going to have to um, really find that gear again to actually get into the playoffs when a month or so ago, we wouldn't have thought that they would be out of it. So, yeah, disappointing for Phil Parkinson. I think they finished last season quite poorly as well. So um, he'll be trying to work out why this is a, a trend. I have to say for Dagen, a really good win. And I've actually been quite impressed with Ben Strevens. I know there's been a lot of noise um, and, and, you know, earlier in the season with the two cup defeats to lower sides, the fans weren't exactly on board, but he's done really well there to, um, you know, stabilise them in mid-table. Um, obviously, no in the Effiong anymore, but he's been, he's injured and lost Frank Vincent to the rest of the season with a broken arm. And that they keep finding a way to, to, to grind out wins. Um, so, yeah, they're doing a really good job. Absolutely. So, Halifax and Altrincham then four and five points off the playoffs. They'll go again, I'm sure. But uh, Hartlepool in 10th are now 10 points off the playoffs, uh, thanks to that uh, defeat we mentioned at home to Barnet, for who are, uh, Adonko and uh, Hartigan uh, were on target. Um, Hartlepool's goal was, was a... a, a a 90th minute Featherstone um, consolation anyway. Then come Eastley on 46 points, who obviously only got a point on Saturday and South End on 45 also got a point. And Rochdale um, on 45, who lost on Saturday uh, by two goals to one. Um, as we flip our attention to the other end, a fourth win on the trot, Joe, for Ebbsfleet, for Danny Searle. They had to wait. It was a late, late winner wasn't it? But um, yeah, they're bang top of the form table now. Four wins and uh, two draws, all under Danny Searle and Anwar Udu. Yeah, I'm really pleased with Danny Searle. Um, I think I did a, I remember doing a piece um, just before he was actually sacked at Aldershot saying, I quite like Danny Searle. You know, I thought, didn't think he did a terrible job at Aldershot. Obviously, you may differ in that opinion, Rob, but yeah, you know, he's come in. Uh, many people thought he would struggle, but he's done really well and perhaps just a fresh new perspective on that group because it is a talented group. There's some good players in it. Obviously, Dominic Polin on the score sheet yesterday when you've got him fit and firing, you're always going to stand a chance. Uh, Dominic Samuel, he scored the winner. He's played in the Football League before and, um, yeah, you know, they go in there. They're really positive. Obviously, Anwar Udin's a really good coach as well that we know. So, um, yeah, they'll be really positive and, a couple more wins. They're going to need a couple more because of how close it is. Um, but they'll be delighted with how they've, uh, how receptive the players have been to uh, themselves. And um, obviously, a, a point on Rochdale. Obviously, we haven't got our resident um, ownership correspondent in Dickie whilst he's out the room. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, Rochdale got some good news in the week that uh, looks like they've got a takeover still to be ratified at their AGM. Uh, this week, I believe, uh, but it looks like they've been taken over by an American firm. Um, so uh, even though it was a, a defeat on the pitch on Saturday, it was perhaps a victory off it. And I think given um, that, uh, you know, they haven't had a huge amount to spend this season, Rochdale, and they've cut their cloth according, I think they've done OK. I think it's respectable, the 13th position that they're in and the 45 points they've collected. Um, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the fans at Scotland would have, until very recently, uh, recently been hoping for a flirtation with with the playoffs, and that looks unlikely now. But certainly, it's a, a season of consolidation for them in the National League, and 
many bigger clubs than Rochdale have come down to this level and uh, struggled badly in their first season. Um, so at the bottom then, Oxford City, 28 points. Then come Woking, 38 points. They were frustrated in a different kind of way on Saturday because their game against Kidderminster was uh, called off due to um, a uh, waterlogged pitch. Kidderminster sat just one place and one point ahead of Woking. Uh, and the side that's dropped into the bottom four following Saturday's results, and it was another huge head-to-head between sides uh, fighting uh, uh, to avoid relegation. Um, the first game in charge is well for Adam Hinchelwood, Joe. Uh, York 2, Wildstone 3, discuss. Yeah, um, a battle of the, the new managers. Um, obviously, David Noble been in for a couple of weeks now. And as you mentioned, Adam Hinchelwood taking charge for the first time after leaving Worthing in the week. Um, and it looked as if it was going to be a, a good start for him. Um, Nick uh, Chadwick, Billy Chadwick got them in front uh, 10 minutes before the interval, uh, but they conceded on half-time uh, through Jack Cook. And they're actually 2-1 uh, down within three minutes of the restart. Uh, the ever-reliable Max Kretschmar getting his first of the afternoon. Um, and he got his second on the hour to make it comfortable for Wheelstone. Uh, 3-1. There was a late goal from Billy Chawit. He helped himself to his second uh, to make it 3-2. But Wildstone managed to find a way to to grind out the wins or, or the win. And you know there has been some doubt over David Noble so far. I know he hasn't been received wholly positive by the Wildstone supporters, um, but that's a massive win. Um, and you know what it does do is it it, it tells Adam Hinchwood if he if he needed a reminder of just the job just how big a job he's got there uh, to turn it around. Yeah, he's quoted in the non-league paper actually. Hinchwood is saying that defeat has taught him a lot. I had to choose his crunch game against AFC File. I'm big enough and old enough to take the criticism that is rightly going to come my way. All I do is focus on the players and make sure that they're ready. Uh, come Tuesday now. We'll learn a lot from uh, today's game, that is for sure. So, yeah, um, after just one game in charge, York slip into the bottom four. Um, they will hope that it is a revolving trapdoor at the moment and they can bounce out of it much as uh, uh, Dorking did at the weekend. Uh, Maidenhead United, though, um, guilty yet again, um, Joe, of having strung a few wins together, pulled themselves up to mid-table and then slid again. And uh, on Saturday, uh, despite creating a lot of chances, actually, at AFC File, it was the home side that were far more clinical. And uh, Danny Ormerod up there is really starting to catch the eye now. Yeah, um, I've spoken to a couple of people uh, that have watched Fylde recently and uh, they said to to watch out for Danny Ormrod, saying that he's going to be the, the next big thing. Obviously, they've got some really talented youngsters there. Uh, midfielder Taylor O'Kane's been sort of the headline act this season, but Danny Ormrod's been brilliant of late, some really important goals. Um, and it's really the three amigos for, for Fylde because if they've won a game, it's usually one of the three or, or more than one of the three that's involved. Jonathan Ustabasi, he scored just before the hour mark. Uh, he's been brilliant under uh, Chris Beach, hasn't he? And um, obviously Nick Horton uh, is uh, Superman Kate Padawash and uh, he, uh, he goes back amongst the goals uh, this weekend. And uh, yeah, massive win for them. As for Maidenhead, 
Yeah, it's going to be tough, isn't it? Um, you know, I think we all ex- expect them to just be clear. Um, but, you know, every season they keep looking like they're going to be closer and closer to that drop zone. And um, I think this one's going to really go down to the wire. I know they added Tristan Abrahams in the week. He signed from Welling, um, obviously, because they've struggled to score goals. Um, but it was a, a struggle at the other end uh, this week. But, uh, yeah, tough times for, for Alan Devonshire. And he's got to show what he's about now. Yep, another enthralling weekend in the National League where uh, very little really uh, became clear in terms of who's going to make the playoffs, who's uh, who's going to go down. I think the only thing that uh, probably we can you know, the engraver can start start getting uh, on with his job now is the is is the uh, trophy for the top goal scorer in the National League because Paul McCallum's hat trick has taken him seven clear now of Will Grigg, who, along with the rest of his Chesterfield side, were, of course, frustrated on Saturday. Um, we've been joined now, I'm glad to say, by Dickie Wharton. Dickie, we just finished covering the matches individually, but uh, um, obviously an, in, an incredible day for Dorking, under the most ridiculous pressure to pull out that win against Chesterfield. Um Anything from uh, that game? Um, I know you were stuck in traffic yourself trying to make your, your own way to a game and eventually gave up. But uh, anything on the National League before we move on and cover the North and South? Yeah, well, well obviously that Dorking-Chesterfield result was, was a standout, wasn't it? Um, given, um, you know, relative league positions of the size and form, etc. But I've been I've been thinking about this for Chesterfield for a few weeks. I know we were talking about the possibilities of Chesterfield um getting over 100 points possibly even surpassing um you know the points total of Wrexham um and Notts County from last season uh, that doesn't look likely now i have to say and i it, and it struck me that that because they haven't got somebody breathing down their necks the way that Wrexham had with Notts County and vice versa uh, that motivation for Chesterfield over the remainder of the season is going to be um, an interesting question. You know, I don't, they're not going to falter. They, they will get promoted. I'm absolutely certain of that. But when you kind of know that, what, what goal do you set yourself next? You know what I mean? And, and, and possibly setting themselves a target of a hundred points or whatever. Um, I guess ultimately they just want promotion. They just want to make, they just want to get up. And if they do that, then it's job done. But it's a bit of a shame in a way that, you know, their dominance this season isn't perhaps going to have that that sort of uh, record-breaking element to it because of a lack of a direct competitor. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're obviously going to... I'd be shocked if they didn't hit 100 points, but if they're going to break uh, Wrexham's record now, they're going to have to win at least nine of the 10 remaining games that they have. Um, nevertheless, um, I'm sure that will have jolted them uh, and uh, and at least rather than everybody just presenting the trophy two months early, can actually lick their wounds, focus on what it feels like to get beaten. Um, uh, so plenty of good sides have come to Meadowbank and been beaten over recent years. Notts County, of course, last year was seen off. Um, but, um, yeah, they'll come again, I'm sure, and we will remain to see uh, just how many points they can amass. They, are, they do, of course, still have an unbeaten home record in the National League, 15 wins and three draws this season, so uh, I'm not too sure how many teams have completed a National League season without losing at home. 
Um, let's move on then, Dickie, while we've got you with us, to the National League North. And you tried very, very hard yesterday um, to get to Tamworth. But the truth be told, um, you turned the car around, didn't you, at the point that you realised Tamworth were already 2-0 up and the game was pretty much done. Yeah, I was foiled by the, the Highways Agency uh, undertaking works on the main road out of Telford towards Tamworth. Um, which meant that all the traffic was moved on to the other road that goes to town with the A5. Um, and it just became apparent I wasn't going to get there. Um, I have to say, when I saw that Tamworth had taken a 2-0 lead after six minutes, it was a bit of me thought, well, I was, in a way, I was quite quite pleased that I hadn't got there in a way because I'm, it would have been after that and I'd have missed, I guess, you know, the, the, the decisive action of the game. Uh, Dan Craney got them into a third-minute lead. Chris Ray... He's got promotion um, to the this division that they're in now with with Banbury a few seasons ago before going to Southend. Uh, Ray scored again after 19 minutes, so they were 3-0 up. There was a goal um, for Jordan Cook um, from Blythe before half-time, so it was 3-1 at the break and 3-1 it stayed. And um, yeah, that was a, a big result for Tamworth, um, given that Scunthorpe, we're held to a 2-2 draw at home by Chester. So that extends um, the gap that Tamworth have at the top of the table to um, it's 12 points now. There is a game in hand for Scunthorpe, yeah, but I think Scunthorpe are starting to run out of games with which they can, you know, sort of peg that back. I think Scunthorpe now realistically are looking at being in the playoffs um, and just have to get themselves ready for that. Um, big result for Chester, of course. Um, they moved... Uh, well, they are in fourth place after a poor start to the season. They've they've chipped away at it. I think they're now ten games unbeaten in the division. They had goals yesterday from uh, uh, George Glendon, who is such a talisman for him. He uh, uh, put them two one up in the second half. Ben Tollett had given them the lead in the first half. There was a goal from Liam McAlinden, who recently joined Scunthorpe from uh, Wrexham. Glendon put them ahead. McAlinden then got a straight red on 67 minutes. So Scunthorpe were down to 10 men. Jacob Butterfield did get them level in the 82nd minute. But yeah, ultimately, even with a lengthy amount of injury time added on, um, they weren't able to get the three points they so desperately needed. No, but nevertheless, it was a crucial equaliser from Butterfield because um, as Chester were winning that 2-1, they were within three points of Scunthorpe. So by... Uh, taking the equaliser, um, you know, it uh, it meant that Scunthorpe still have a little bit of a cushion in protecting a little bit like uh, uh, Barnet and Bromley in the division above, uh, making sure that they finish in second or third place. Behind them are Chorley, and uh, they did get the job done. Flurry of goals, all uh, within, uh, uh, I think, 10 minutes or so, weren't they, at Chorley? And uh, they uh, won by the odd goal in three against Russell Olympic. Yeah, they did. And, and just touching back on that Scunthorpe result again, it was important that Scunthorpe did, as a minimum, get a point out of that because at one point, Chorley had closed to within three points of them. And Chorley do have a game in hand on Scunthorpe as well. So at one point, you know, we've been looking at it as a two horse race for the title. Now it looks like it's Tamworth to lose. And to an, an extent, Scunthorpe are looking over their shoulder and, and, and they've got some competition for that second place now. Um, Jack Hazelhurst with a goal from Chorley. He's been a really good signing for them. Came in from City of Liverpool over the summer. Um, there was an own goal from Chorley's goalkeeper, Max Dernley, um, which got Rushall back into it in 35 minutes. But Mark Ellis 
uh, got the winner just four minutes later. It stayed 2-1 in the second half. Not an awful lot of help to rush all that one, but, you know, realistically, if Russia are going to stay in this division, it's not wins at places like Chorley that are going to make the difference, even though I'm sure they would have taken something like that. It's how they get in against the teams um, below them. So, yeah, really important result that one, Chorley. Oh, well, we mentioned there was a point when Chester and Chorley nearly closed in on Scunthorpe on Saturday. Chester would have got overtaken themselves if Brackley had done what they normally do at home and score and, 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 and get a point or, th- uh, uh, or get the three points. But uh, they were frustrated by Farsley Celtic. And funnily enough, that was one of, here's a little mid-National League North roundup for you, one of three games all involving sides other than Brackley that uh, were neither in promotion or relegation positions that ended nil-nil. Southport and Peterborough Sports was nil-nil as well. And Buxton and Scarborough drew nil-nil. So uh, a little bit of frustration for Brackley, but they remain comfortably in the playoffs. And uh, just behind them, uh, Brackley, they were frustrated for different reasons. A waterlogged pitch, which meant that they couldn't get their game on against Gloucester City. And a certain amount of irony about Gloucester's game being off, chap. All right, well, Gloucester City didn't play, but somebody did get a game on their pitch that desperately needed to get a game played. And we'll cover that when we cover the National League. South Curzon Ashton were the other team uh, who are in a playoff position and they do so courtesy of a 1-0 win and my goodness me that was another late one from that man Spencer Dickie. Yeah he's, he is a difference maker Jimmy Spencer um, he's been a good signing for Curzon from uh, Farsley Celtic although his manager who had him at both Farsley and Curzon Adam Lakeland has now moved on to Kings Lynn um, he, he is that sort of a player who, who he just attracts things happen around Jimmy Spencer and, and he scored the winning goal yesterday um, a big goal for them and, and that's a blow for Hereford in their chase for the playoff places as well I think Craig Marne has now been given a contract as manager um, although I'm not exactly sure how long for, um, but the transition from Adam Lakeland to to Craig Mon's been been very smooth, um, and again, I think it, spe- it speaks well of the setup at Curzon Ashton in that you know they've had um, changes in management, but they've not been derailed, and and I spoke about them being their next target in this division, being a playoff team, uh, and yeah, they've got a good opportunity at doing that. Yeah, they'd be 10th, but for that uh, 90 plus three Spencer goal. But that lifted them above Hereford, who they beat, of course, and uh, a few other teams as well. And now they sit in that final playoff position. It's ridiculously close, though, behind them. Uh, amongst the teams within just two points of uh, Curzon are Boston, Warrington, Scarborough and Hereford themselves. Talking of Boston and talking of Warrington, uh, let's come to each of you on this. Joe, um, he just asked to come in on one game. It was Warrington's 2-1 win against Bishop Stortford. Uh, a certain player you've had your eye on scored again, Joe. Yeah, he seems to be in uh, fantastic form. Uh, Isaac Buckley Ricketts, uh, another goal for him. And, uh, you know, this is the time of the season where we start to put together uh, teams of the season. Well, he, he'll be a shoe in for that. Um, you know, he's 
I don't want to single out anybody from that Warrington Town side because collectively they've been so good uh, and to stay up as they have, they deserve a lot of praise. But he's been the shining star in that team. And, uh, you know, it's yeah, he's had, he's had a fantastic individual season. Well, what a fillip it would be for Warrington Town if they can make the playoffs um, in their first season at this level. Um, they did, of course, uh, close yesterday, Dickie, to within a point of uh, Boston. United to uh, somewhat fluff things up at home to uh, spending more town. Yes, um, pretty unfortunate for for Boston United. Um, the, the, clearly, you know, a defeat at home. I think I read a stat from uh, Christian, who who joins us on the podcast sometimes. I don't think Boston have beaten Spennymore in something like eleven attempts in the National League North, um, which is quite some going. I know at one point. Um, my own team, Telford, had not been overcome by spending more in something like the same number of games. So some weird things going on there. And um, I don't know, you, you kind of don't think that that's going to be in players' minds. It's that's something that's in supporters' minds more than players. Um, but yes, spending more got the job done yesterday. Um, they led a 12-minute goal from uh, Corey McEwen. Ben Pollock then got them 2-0 up after 55 minutes. And although there was a goal really late in the game and third minute of injury time from Joy Rowe. Um, yeah, nowhere near enough for Boston, unfortunately. And Boston just have this... Re- it must be really annoying for Boston fans more so than me, but when I say it's an annoying habit of just just as they look like they're getting on a good run, they chuck in a, a strange result like this one or a result that sort of seems to... Not exactly put them back to square one, but just reintroduces those doubts about them again. And uh, yeah, they did it again yesterday. Yes, Benningmore sit 13th themselves. And uh, just two more games to cover in the National League North. And uh, once again, it's two sides who've been in the bottom four for a lot of the season. And they've both got 3-1 wins. That man we talked about a lot the other week, Margaret's got uh, uh, a brace for Kings Lynn as they saw off uh, South Shields and uh, blunted their playoff ambitions. Um, but... Um, uh, perhaps even more notable, Dickie, uh, with another win, um, Steve Watson's Darlington. Um, and uh, if they're winning again in the next week, they may well be out of the relegation positions. They're just a point off safety now, thanks to uh, uh, another excellent win. Yeah, they're, they're gaining momentum at the bottom of the table, which is really, really important. Um, uh, just to get themselves out of the, the trouble that they're in. I mean, I was fascinated by this game yesterday. It was the Quakers against the Puritans. I did suggest that given that both Quakers and Puritans were very much about living austere lives, that this might be a nil-nil draw. But no, a 3-1 win for Darlington. <laughs> um, Matty Cornish got them ahead after 33 minutes. Um, there was an equaliser quite early in the second half from Aidan Elliott-Wheeler for Banbury. But yeah, Andy Nelson, I mentioned him last week. He scored a 66th-minute goal to get them back ahead. And it took until the first minute of injury time for Cameron Salkeld to make it safe for Darlington. But they are on a very nice little upturn in form. Um, it was something I don't think many Darlington fans saw coming, but they've They've won their last three. They have four wins in their last five. Um, and they're just coming good at, at the right time. And as I say, next week, if results go their way and they can pick up three points, they could potentially move out the bottom four, which it, it literally, in January, we were talking about it being the end of 
Darlington's spell in the National League North and, you know, that the club was going backwards. But Steve Watson came in and said he wouldn't have come in if he didn't think it was possible to to get out of the trouble that they're in. And, um, you know, he's been as good as his word. I mean, Banbury now, that's four defeats in a row for them and no wins in the last five. So they are going in the opposite direction. And again, when we're talking about momentum of, of needing to, you know, d- dig some results out from somewhere, Darlington are finding them at just the point that Banbury have lost the knack. Absolutely. And uh, their biggest hope will perhaps be the fact that they've still got 12 games left, but uh, a minus 25 goal difference for them and uh, only Darlington themselves and Bishop Stortford have got worse. That completes the roundup of the North. Thank you, Dickie, for making yourself available for that and uh, feel free to uh, join us again as we cover the uh, National League South now. Uh, chiefly with Joe, but Dickie will be with us in the background. Um, first up in the National League South, games that were on and weren't on, Joe, uh, Chippenham and Western Supermare, uh, Dartford and Worthing, they uh, were both postponed due to waterlogged pitch. But headline news in the National League South, Truro and Taunton both played a game and it was a game against each other. Yeah, uh, we've finally got a game. Um unsurprising it wasn't uh, at Taunton's ground um, and you uh, queued it up quite nicely earlier it was actually played at uh, Gloucester's ground um, which bearing it, I, th- I thought it was quite funny when I saw the news that they're going to be sharing with Gloucester City or at least playing that game at Gloucester City given that Truro's nickname are the White Tigers and that Gloucester's ground's called the Tiger Turf Stadium um, which I uh, just had to point that one out but yeah a, a, a game finally on and a massive three points for Truro. Uh, two goals for them, one in either half. Uh, first through Harrison, second through Palmer. Both centre-halves getting on the score sheet there. Um, and, uh, yeah, Taunton managed to add two players in the week. Uh, Seb Bolton uh, and Jaden Brown. Uh, both players, uh, Seb Bolton, formerly of Halifax, and Jaden Brown, formerly of Bristol City. Uh, so they managed to at least bolster their squad, but um, they're really struggling. Uh, by all accounts, it was a rather routine win for Truro, uh, 195 miles uh, away from home, uh, at home. Uh, so, yeah, good, good three points for them. Uh, and uh, Taunton have a lot of work to do now. Yeah, they are in the bottom four and three points adrift of safely safety. I've, I've actually had my work cut out this week, trying to work out what should take the headlines in the National League South. We mentioned already two postponed games. Another one was St Albans against Hampton. Um, and uh, we talked about Truro and Taunton finally getting a game on. There was, though, another game abandoned after 65 minutes and after six goals have been scored and the circumstances were somewhat controversial. Uh, subsequent statements from Slough Town manager Scott Davis and from the Slough Town board themselves have cleared things up a little, but quite a bizarre situation. Uh, Slough 4-2 up, Joe. Um, unfortunately, a Bath City fan taken ill. Um, by all accounts, though, they were OK again within 15 minutes, which is no longer than the half-time break. But once given the opportunity to continue the game, Bath City refused. Yeah, um, obviously I can't say too much about it because I wasn't there and I don't know the full picture, but 
obviously from what you read on social media, um, I think Scott Davis said that um, I actually think it was five minutes. The ref, the the fan. Uh, obviously, we wish them well and hope they're uh, okay. Apparently, they were okay after about five minutes or so with uh, some assistance. Um, that Slough were happy to continue, um, and the referee was happy to continue, um, and perhaps understandably, Buff uh, were not. Uh, obviously, four two down in the game. Um, Somebody's telling Porkies because obviously Slough said that uh, obviously the ref was okay and they were okay and the bath refused. And yet in his interview after the game, Jerry Gill came out and said that the ref didn't want to play the game. Um, so, yeah, a, a really odd one. Um, as I say, I can't comment too much. Um, but Scott, uh, you know, Scott Davis, he's a, a nice guy, but I've not seen him lose his temper that much on social media. Yesterday certainly wasn't a happy bunny, as you would be at four, four, uh, four, two up. Um, and uh, yeah, as Dickie right, uh, quite rightly pulled, uh, mentions, uh, Bath pulled the plug on that game, um, and perhaps used oh, the plug to plug their defence. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And they were showered with insults as a result, weren't they? But um, you know, still we're covering the National League South. Still, we haven't mentioned Yeovil. Calm down, Glovers fans. We'll get to you eventually. But I'm still not going there because now I want to talk about a game that ended up nine each. No, not the scoreline. The number of players on each side. Uh, Chelmsford City against Avely. Chelmsford, of course, in second place. Avely just outside the playoffs. Um, and, uh, yeah, both sides had two players shown red, Joe. And uh, somehow, though, all that aside... Goals at the end of the first half and at the end of the game uh, secured all three points for Chelmsford. Yeah, um, I will have to apologise. I won't. I don't know who also got sent off for Chelmsford. Obviously, I know that Dave Winfield uh, was sent off <laughs> at the end of half time uh, for an altercation with uh, Avery Kelly, um, and both of those were sent off. Subsequently, Avery manager Danny Scopes was sent off um, in that one. Um, but by that point, Chelmsford were winning one nil. Uh, a goal through Cameron James. He scored in first half stoppage time. And as they've done so well this season, Chelmsford, when they get in the lead, they very rarely give anything away. And they, they managed to add further gloss to that. Uh, Jermaine Francis, he's had a, a fantastic season. Uh, he scored uh, with 20 minutes to play. And um, yeah, uh, a potentially feisty game. Uh, but uh, it was Chelmsford that, that came out uh, top dog. Yeah, and, and just to correct myself, actually, of course, yeah, one of those two red cards for Chelmsford was for the manager, Danny Scopes. So it was 10 against nine, and the 10 men beat the nine men, Ryan Carr and Garrett Kelly, the two Avery players who got sent off uh, in uh, that uh, altercation uh, at the end of the first half. All right, then, Glovers fans, we'll bring you in now. Uh, a big day for Farnborough, who've been frustrated Many times this season, whenever they got close to those playoffs, they just can't seem to uh, get a consistent run of games together. So they remain bang in mid-table. 12 points now adrift of the playoffs. But uh, Yeovil, well, they march on, Joe. Uh, 11 points clear with a game in hand on Chelmsford. And uh, ultimately, they got the job done at Farnborough comfortably enough. 
Yeah, um, you know, they've struggled a little bit in front of goal of late. Yeovil, I think Yeovil fans would uh, admit that, but it was a relatively comfortable scoreline, um, even if they did score late on. Um, they managed to win uh, 3-1 goals from uh, Alex Whistle, Alex Fisher and Sonny Blue Everton. Uh, Ollie Pendlebury got a, a consolation for the home side. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, Yeovil managed to... Uh, get a step closer to, to what we all expect now of, of them lifting the title. Um, I see that Farnborough uh, put out a statement after the game thanking a number of people. Um, obviously, Aldershot uh, managed to take back Hadi Gander this week, recalled him after his loan spell. Well, Aldershot helped out Farnborough by loaning them some uh, equipment to get the game on, uh, it seems, uh, for this one. They perhaps they wish they hadn't now. Um, but uh, yeah, um, a good win for Yeovil. Um, and uh, they are very, very close now. Yeah, and an excellent relationship between the clubs these days, just two miles apart, Aldershot and Farnborough. Um, Braintree Town are two points um, outside of the second and third place positions where, uh, or, or sorry, outside the, the top three where they would have just one home uh, semi-final to get through to the playoff final. And and they were they would have been a little bit frustrated, I think, Joe, uh, to only come away with a point from uh, a rejuvenated Welling United side who are now three points clear of the drop zone. Yeah, um, Welling have have done really really well under Rod Stringer, and we did have our reservations when he came in, but he looks to have uh, improved their fortunes. Um, now got a fighting chance of staying up. Obviously, they're outside of the drop zone, albeit with Taunton and Muslim games in hand. Um, twice they went in front in this game, uh, first through Birchall, uh, second through a penalty from Grant. Braintree managed to respond well, uh, initially through Aaron Blair, and then also from Shackle Coulthurst. Uh, both teams traded uh, first half injury time penalties there. Uh, no goals in the second half. And I actually think it's a good point for Braintree, actually, because we've seen a number of teams go to well in this season, um, and it is a tough place. Um, I know watching Torquay play there when they won the title. It was a tough, tough game. And we've seen it this year. Welling got beat 4-1. Yeovil got beat 4-1. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I actually think Angelo Harrow would be quite pleased with that point. Absolutely. Yeah, Worthing, I think, that got beaten by Welling. Because Welling can't beat themselves 4-1, can they? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got your point there, Joe. And... Uh, the rest of the playoff positions are held by Bath, St Albans and Hampton, Richmond, Borough, who all, as previously mentioned, were unable to uh, complete or even start games between them on Saturday. Maidstone United, though, after the Lord Mayor's show, away game at bottom of the league, Dover Athletic, and the banana skin was laid out in front of them, but uh, they didn't uh, slip at all. And uh, they got the job done thanks to a first-half goal from... And then he said tango. It's tango, isn't it? Yeah, well, they, uh, Dover certainly got tangoed. Um, and uh, got tangoed. It, was, uh, yeah. it was Jefta <laughs> Tanga uh, that scored for Maidstone. Not the uh, not who you'd have put your money on to score for Maidstone, uh, but he was the one that scored yesterday. And um, I think George, George Ellicobi, after um, all that happened in the FA Cup uh, last week, uh, they'll be pleased to get back to winning ways in the league and uh, obviously now the bread and butter of, of the playoffs. Um, and Dover have improved a little bit under Jake LeBurl, even if their league position doesn't show that. And um, potentially tricky game, as you said, uh, navigated uh, fairly well. 
Yeah, looking at a couple of sides also in the bottom four, Haven't and Waterlooville. Got an excellent 2-0 win away from home. Ryan Seeger on target again and uh, Alfie Whittingham as they won 2-0 at Hamill. And they're putting together some decent form now. They are still nine points adrift of safety, so a stiff task ahead of them. And, uh, uh, well, not much easier. Two points more and two games in hand for Eastbourne Borough. That's what they'll look at for their hopes. But uh, they succumbed to Tunbridge Angels uh, 2-0, Sutcliffe and Dobra with the goals in the 37th and 77th minute. And that just leaves one other game. And apologise uh, to you, Joe, for leaving them until last. Uh, but uh, Torquay United, bang mid-table now, took on Weymouth, who are, um, probably would call themselves mid-table as well. Uh, nine points clear of the drop zone. And uh, that's thanks to uh, a point they gained against Torquay United. Uh, what's happened in the last seven days then at Blaine Moore, Joe? Bring us up to date. Um, obviously, there will have been a lot uh, away from the, uh, the the limelight that has happened. Um, I know Torquay uh, put out a statement saying that they've had a, a number of investors uh, look to uh, to try and take over the club already and have signed non-disclosure agreements for that. So it looks as if there's a couple of interested parties. Um, there's been a couple of reshuffles in the uh, the playing squad. Uh, winger Dylan De Silva actually departed Torquay this week. He's signed for National League side Wildstone uh, as he wanted to go closer to home, uh, struggling for minutes as well. Um, on the field... Um, it was another, I say, useful point. Weymouth are always the sort of team that can score. Um, they've just not been that great at the back. Um, they'll be a little bit disappointed that we we again took the lead and and didn't see it out. We did that last week against Avely. Um, but a really uh, good talky following yesterday. I think there was uh, 700 or so uh, talky fans uh, for that one. Uh, so obviously we'll get £5 for each of those uh, donated back to the club. Uh, which is a brilliant gesture, um, and uh, yeah, obviously it's if we are going to uh, have a ten point deduction, we're only going to be four or five points off the the bottom four. So I think the the focus now uh, is just on grinding out those points, and we've got two massive games coming up uh, this week. We've got Dartford, and we've got a massive game against Taunton. Well, thank you very much, Joe, for leading us nicely into. Uh... The look ahead to the midweek fixtures. Now, in the National League, there were a couple of games much, much closer to, to me that I could have uh, watched or got involved with, with Aldershot not having a game. But no, uh, I've gone and agreed to commentate for BBC Surrey on Altrincham against Dorking Wanderers. Uh, so uh, we'll see how both of those sides respond from uh, a defeat in Altrincham's case and a fantastic victory in Dorkings as Altrincham try and get their playoff hopes back on track and Dorking continue to try and steer clear of trouble. Also on Tuesday at Barnet v Rochdale, Gateshead versus Solly Mark Moores uh, catches the eye, as does Oldham against Bromley. Um, South End take on Wealdstone and that massive game at the bottom end between York City and Fylde. York in the bottom four, Fylde just a point ahead of them. Um, yeah, you mentioned uh, the Torquay game, Joe. And uh, in the south, there's a couple of games on Monday night as well. Uh, yeah, um, big one for or two, uh, two uh, good ties at the top. Uh, Avely uh, welcome Yeovil. 
uh, in that one. Uh, and Chelmsford City, uh, they host Worthing. Uh, point just I want to make on on those. Obviously, Worthing obviously didn't play on the weekend, as we discussed, as they played, uh, or they were supposed to play Dartford. That game was called off. Uh, Aaron Racine, former Worthing defender, has stepped in as interim manager for Worthing. So perhaps the next couple of days will help matters. Uh, and uh, whilst they don't play in midweek, um, the, the uh, Dartford managed to uh, appoint their new manager in uh, A.D. Pennock, formerly of Forest Green Rovers. So he'll be really uh, pleased that he's got a week off to to work with his team ahead of a, a really difficult run-in. Yeah, well done, Joe. Thanks for mentioning that. Uh, one of those uh, managerial changes that crept up in the week, and I almost forgot, um, just finishing with the National League South, another game that catches the eye is Maidstone United. Uh, just on the fringe of the playoffs, of course, but with games in hand against Bath City, who are well in there. Turning our attentions to the National League North. And, uh, Dickie, I think it's all happening on Tuesday night. Give us uh, your thoughts on uh, on those games. And uh, are you busy with Telford or might you get to one? Uh, no, no game for us. Uh, but based on where these are, unfortunately, I'm not going to get to them. So it probably following on the radio, if there's some commentary going somewhere. I would imagine there'll certainly be commentary on Darlington versus Scunthorpe. That's Scunthorpe's game in hand. Um, and it's not an easy one, given the form that Darlington are in at the moment. I would imagine Darlington will go into that one feeling like they've got nothing to lose, really, because I don't think people would expect them to get anything from that, but their form is good. Um, so that's an intriguing one. There's a real relegation six-pointer between Banbury and Rushall taking place as well. I mentioned Banbury earlier and them and their form being poor. Um, Rushall's isn't great. It's it's a bit patchy, but they do throw in the occasional win here and there. So that's, that's a really important one. I have to say those are probably the two biggest ones in the division for me. Uh, Bishop Stortford against Chorley. Well, I think Bishop Stortford are already gone, um, but Chorley will be... Um, clearly seeking the three points there in the hope that if Scunthorpe slip up, that takes them closer to them in second. Peterborough Sports host Hereford, and Hereford really need um, the, the win there to get themselves back into the, the playoff contention. Spennymore against Alfreton, and then Warrington against Southport. And again, Warrington, I think, potentially looking at, at you know, could they make a late run for it? Possibly. I think Southport need the points to pull away from the bottom as well. So there are some intriguing ones happening on Tuesday. And uh, one final note looking ahead next Saturday, we'll see the four quarterfinals in the FA Trophy. And uh, uh, Gateshead, Bromley, Barnet, Solihull Moors, all of those sides in the current playoff positions in the National League, they will have to turn their attentions to the... Uh, Hunt for Wembley, Gateshead versus Peterborough Sports, Bromley versus Barnet, Wildstone versus Solihull Moors, and Macclesfield versus Colville Town, uh, as well as, of course, as uh, a full set of fixtures otherwise for the National League in the North and the South. Um, thank you very much, both of you, uh, for joining us as always. And uh, Dickie, sterling work from you there. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, yeah, always nice to talk to you. So, uh, yeah, I like to, um, even if there are a few challenges around it, I do like to take the opportunity to join in. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Well done. And Joe, I think he's still there. He's disappeared, Dickie, hasn't he, into the darkness? I don't know if he's 
figuratively, you know, trying to do an impression. Ooh, I, I could, I, I could see a hand waving there. He's still with us. <laughs> bit Blair Witch, it's a bit Blair Witch project where Joe is at the moment. I, I would say for our listeners. Yeah. yeah, it was my uh, it was my ode to Torquay. The lights may not have gone out on Torquay just yet. They're still fighting. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. They have gone out on Joe, listeners. It must be time to say those words. Thanks for joining us. And Luke, play the theme tune. <laughs>